Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. If you can hear a different timbre to my tone, it's because I'm in a new house, which is why I wasn't here last week, because we have weirdly solidified this lineup recently. <laughs> it's almost like no one else can be arsed. Um, I'm joined by Simon Cardi and Matt Perslow. Say hello simultaneously. Hello. hello. That was good. Well done. It's almost almost there. It uh, sounded good on my end. Your um, new abode sounds spacious. Mm. Is it spacious? It's- uh, I mean, this room isn't, but that's because I've filled it with all my shit. I have for the first time in my life. But what I've done is I've got a spare bedroom, and it is a spare bedroom, but I've convinced myself that it's a study. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a, uh, it's just got a desk and a TV I can just and a sofa move in, in it. if you want. No, you can fuck off. <laughs> you can leave, you can get out of my study. I'll, I will be... The, fir- the first person to stay in this spare bedroom and take away my stupid little nerd space away from me, they'll feel the resentment coming through the walls because I love this room now. I've barely done anything with it, but it's nice. There's a lamp. It's good. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing else to say. Have you both played Ghosts of Tsushima's Legends mode? I have, yes. I I haven't and forgot it was coming out, so oh. you can tell me all about it. It's been out a week now. Um mm. I really enjoy it because I think the thing I enjoyed most about Ghost of Tsushima, the story campaign, was the actual combat itself. I thought Mm. the actual sword fighting was very fun. And that's kind of all you do in this mode is sword fighting and a bit of archery. Uh, But yeah, I enjoy it because the combat was my favourite thing and just how it looks. And yeah, they've kind of, they've changed up how it looks. So a lot of... You have nine story mode missions in Legends, and then there's like four different types of survival mode, which is basically horde mode that's like 15 to 25 waves, depending on what difficulty you do it on. But um, the story. We should make. We should make clear that this is Ghost of Tsushima doing a co-op mode. Yes, I don't think we said yes. that up top. It is, um, it's free as well if you have the game, which is mad because the amount of stuff you're getting for free is very generous. But yeah, it's essentially just like a co-op gear looter shooter but with no shooting so looter slash wait you've just said that there is shooting because you've got arrows that oh, shooting it's, it's archery is it just shoot i suppose you do shoot an arrow don't you yeah fire yeah. an arrow fire okay a gun. it's 80 percent swords though <laughs> so let's go with yeah. okay st- i don't know loot yeah Looter Slasher. That's what they're calling Godfall. Yeah, they're calling that. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. The original Looter Slasher is here before Godfall, <laughs> but um, it. Is scratching the itch, so I got my Avengers Platinum. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> really not proud of me there. I'm not really proud of myself, but I've done it. Um, but yeah, that's a broken game, whereas <laughs> this is Sucker Punch who have launched this new co-op multiplayer game, which you can play from anywhere from two to four players. And it just works seamlessly. It has a good gear system. It's the first time they've done any sort of multiplayer, the studio, and they've pretty much nailed it, <laughs> which is very impressive, I have to say. Someone pointed out... Um how good Sucker Punch's DLC history is. Mm -hmm. Like, that infamous first light was 
probably better than Second mm-hmm. Son. Uh, didn't they do like a vampire storyline yeah, in one of the infamous, infamouses? The original yeah. infamouses, yeah. Like they really good. have good pedigree on like doing something mad with mm-hmm. with what they with what they created in yeah. the first place, and like that's worth shouting out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is more in line with that vampire DLC because obviously Ghosts of Tsushima is quite sort of, I guess, hallowed to the idea of the Japanese kind of lineage. And it's, you know, it's as respectful as I think a bunch of Americans making a Japanese game can be. Well, it's occasionally boring in how much it refuses to be mystical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whereas this is mystical. It is about kind of like Japanese demons and it's got like lots of red sort of visual metaphors in it and stuff like that. And like I've not played as much as because I think Cardi, you finished the campaign. I finished you? the story missions, so I'm currently my gear score, which I think is called Key, is mm-hmm. uh, like 74, and they recommend. So there's a raid coming next Friday. They've announced which yeah, they recommend minimum level 100, but I think the sure. max you can get up to is like 115 gear score. Mm-hmm. So I'm working my way up to that. I think that raid's going to be very cool, and I think it's quite extensive as well. There's like three long chapters to it, so yeah, I need to because yeah. I've only played. Me and you played the day it came out. Maybe the first four missions. I think you did was the first it? four or five story missions, which yeah. they took about twenty minutes each. So there's a good bit of content mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. that probably takes near three hours to finish all the story missions, and that's yeah. just on bronze. So once mm-hmm. you try them on silver, they add modifiers to each of those, so there'll be like elements from other missions coming into those missions and i just yeah i love the whole vibe because it is like you say more mystical it's told by this character called gyozen who's voiced by the actor who does uncle iroh from avatar so wait he's dead the one that replaced him <laughs> oh right okay <laughs> so this is mystical <laughs> but yeah you can hear that in his voice and it's just cool so he's kind of retelling in ways sort of the story of ghost of Shima, but from like a lost like from a mythical standpoint like the characters are different and they've kind of they've changed up it's oh, hard to that's explain that's really cool it, yeah it's really cool and it looks cool there's like visual stuff like it's almost bits that look kind of like bloodborne like there's lots of blood and there's red everywhere and there's just like floating sacks of flesh in the air and stuff it's just it's all quite uh, horrible are they are they microtransactions there are none whatsoever no it's completely what are, free. What are they getting out of this? I know. Why waste your time on making such a good <laughs> they, bit of extra art? <laughs> they probably could have. Yeah, they probably could have. I would have paid like ten to twenty yeah. quid for this. I'd have paid fifteen quid for it. And the thing is, is like this is. It's been nice for me to play this because I didn't really dig Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. I think I'm like Cardi. Like I thought the combat was excellent, mm. but I found the the narrative was just really boring. And I think because it's so cut and pasty in its mission design mm. i wasn't really getting into it mm-hmm. this has pulled me in because it's the combat stuff that i like but because it's got that mystical element there was i was saying to cardi in one mission i was like what i'd really like it is if like our swords set on fire and you had to find specific enemies that were weak to fire and mm-hmm. we'd fight them the very next mission it gave us all these mystical shrines that we could put our swords in and if you set yeah. your sword on fire with blue flames you do more damage against blue they have enemies so yeah they have the different uh. like like um elemental achievements so like you can get the storm one which is green which basically turns your sword into a lightsaber and you go and attack enemies that are glowing green it's all 
very cool there's stuff like that that's a really cool way to deal with co-op as well to mm-hmm. like have you go into combat encounters and have to know your roles like beyond classes because it's very you know. crowd controlly, which i think works well for the co-op thing because whereas in ghost of tsushima a lot of it is you're this solo samurai that is dealing with things and the best when ghost of tsushima on in single players on at its best i think is when you're doing those one-on-one duels that mm. evoke cinema Whereas this is like, you've got lots of enemies coming at you and it's like you get, um, in one mission they give you a bow which you have to fire at people to kind of stun them and remove their attunement before you can take them down. There was one mission where all the enemies are kind of like invulnerable until you find a specific character that's generating like a mystical shield for them. And I like that working your way through the crowds that they give you and splitting up because me and Cardi were apart for quite a lot of the time that we were doing it and then reconvening mm. to like go ham. Yeah. It's really it's really fun. It makes me really want the inevitable I assume Ghost of Tsushima sequel we're going to get. If that was a well, cold they, game. They've started hiring yeah. new people with knowledge or prefer, preferred knowledge if there was of a co-op feudal stuff. Option for that game. Like imagine one was Jin, one was Yuna. I think that would make that game a lot more interesting. People being able to take down people at the same time. I know it doesn't mm-hmm. really fit in with that story, maybe because it's a, a like a lone person mm-hmm. story. That, but maybe a sequel. I could see that a lot. And well, yeah. you could, I could totally see how it would work story wise mm-hmm. in a sequel as well, based on how that game ends. Like yeah. you could get there. Mm. But yeah, I think it's next Friday the thirtieth is the raid, which. Take, so all these nine story missions we have so far take place on the island of Tsushima, but like altered versions. So they're like glowing red, and there's all horrific stuff going on. But there is that you'll recognise like villages and beaches from the main game. Whereas this hmm. raid is a completely new realm. It's the main villain's realm, so we you have to go after him in the raid. And yeah, so it's all new art, all new environments. And like we said, they've given this away for free, which is incredible in more than one way. <laughs> Speaking of all new art, all new environments, well, kind of a bit for free, um, Halloween Warzone as well yeah. kicked off this week with another remarkably like in-depth reworking of an existing space. I think, yeah, like you say, it is basically free. Like it's rem- like I think a lot of people rightfully sometimes have a go at games like Call of Duty for their microtransactions and stuff like that. But a reminder, like Warzone, the core game is free. This update is free. Like... You could realistically, I have this year played probably close to like 200 hours of this game and spent Mm. maybe five pounds to get one skin I really wanted. Like, yeah, it's so good. Um, And yeah, like the the Halloween event, if Mm. you haven't seen it, the haunting of Verdansk, which (laughs) I love the brass balls of coming up just (laughs) after Bly Manor. Um, Like... It does a really fun thing where basically it is exactly the same map. It doesn't change very much about it, but it just adds a bunch of like silly effects, like Halloweeny effects mm-hmm. to that map. So, like opening chests, you can get a trick where it just does a flash frame, like spooky, scary jump scare that got to me you the when first you open time. it. <laughs> um, and like flying over the prison, which is our favorite area to land <laughs> at the start of the game. Like it's like fucking Ghostbusters when all the uh, ghosts are flying around the the big mm-hmm. tower and stuff like flying over the prison because I, I was going like there's like 30 people dropping in <laughs> i was like oh no it's just ghosts. ghosts there's loads of cool stuff like that like 
so they've got the licenses for both Saw and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is mm. incredible. Like you can buy both of those, obviously, as skins, and they cost a bit if you want. But I did buy the Billy the Puppet one because I want to look like a freak. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's cool things inside the map as well, like... In the farmland section, there's one house which is supposed to be like Leatherface's house. If you go in, there's like body parts lying around, and then you just hear a chainsaw start playing. Playing? Uh, rev- yeah, you rev- play rev- the chainsaw. Yeah, you play the chainsaw like a guitar, don't you? If you work it like Leatherface, you play it. Oh, yeah, he is, he is an artist with that thing. But um, yeah. yeah, and then his ghost appears upstairs as well. Like, there's loads of little cool things like that. So can Leatherface, um, Leatherface like chase you down in that map? No, but other people dressed as Leatherface will, because <laughs> half the people in the game at the moment are either Leatherface or Billy the Puppet. So. Right. Um, also, I read like TVs around the map mm-hmm. will occasionally have Billy the Puppet appear and do the whole Billy the Puppet thing, and like oh, it's just it's a real nice. You can feel the developers having had fun. Yeah. Like it feels it feels like they sat around and they were like, Oh shit, what if we did that? And it's like you're walking through mud and hands are coming up out of the mud yeah. and stuff. And it's just like lots of really nice textural so effects. For something like we said that's free and only gonna be here for two weeks. Like it may appear in some form next year as well, but mm. this'll be gone in what, a week and a bit's time. I think it's the second second or third of November it disappears. Mm. But it's so fun, and like the main fun of it, we haven't even got round to yet. Was is the actual yeah. new mode they've added, which is the zombie mode, which we played quite a bit last night. And the end of those games are so frantic, but it's hilarious. It's mad. So, so is yeah. this a, a separate mode? In, it's not because I thought when I saw that there were zombies in it, it was going to be. Can you remember in Blackout there was yeah. a section there were zombie you go areas? To. Yeah. So it's yeah. different. There's no like yeah. There's no PVE element to it. It's all still PVP. So when you die instead of watching you come back as a zombie and, and you just drop out of the yeah. sky without a parachute <laughs> it's fucking wicked go, like, they make some very funny noises they're just going <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you land and then basically you can either hunt down other human players and you need to collect two antiviral like injections to get yourself back to life but you can get shot as the zombie so if you get shot as a zombie you're out of the game but you need to collect two vials to come back basically and that loop just carries on and on and on until the last human team is left. And we had one last night where it it went on for almost, it was well over half an hour, and I just kept looping at the end. And I thought we thought we won, let out like the biggest cheer, which woke up people in my house, which wasn't so too beyond good. the but like the zombie <laughs> beyond the zombie theme of that, which is quite a cool kind of Halloween thing. But that's actually quite an interesting respawn mechanic. It's yeah. genuinely a really good mode because it also incentivizes you to play in a different way because um, you keep your loadout after you die. Mm-hmm. So when you come back as a zombie, you have zombie skills, but when you respawn after being a zombie you come back with the loadout you died with so you have this feel like the start of the game is more than ever a complete rush to get your best possible loadout Mm -hmm. and then so that dying becomes less of an inconvenience or respawning becomes less of an inconvenience i think it encourages because we normally we're we're quite sneaky in warzone we like to take it snow pick snow take it slow (laughs) and pick off people in the snow sometimes near down but sometimes um, uh, but yeah, I think this encourages you to just be more aggressive and just hunt people because dying isn't as much of a punishment. You know you've got that second chance instantly. And more than, not, there's than also not, you'll be successful as a zombie and find two vials. So There's also some really fun risk-reward stuff. Like, zombies will kill you pretty quickly if they get you. Mm-hmm. And they've got some very nasty abilities. But 
killing a zombie drops so much stuff yeah. um, that you have this feeling of like, oh, we're just this far away from being able to afford our loadouts, or we're just this far away from being able to, uh, you know, get something else. So then you start looking at zombies and you're like, do we go after him? Because he could quickly take us down. But if we get him, like, there's this plethora of cash and munitions boxes and all this stuff. And it's like, it's just really nicely thought out. And again, quite sad it will be gone in two exactly. weeks because it is a genuinely excellent take on the yeah. on the format. I hope it, like, maybe they can really skin it for something else. But I would play this mode a lot if it was in. Isn't it nice that even while Black Ops Cold War doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to be fantastic mm. right now uh, that Warzone will still exist exactly. and hopefully won't change too much like, it will still play cool. like the Infinity War game which is the key for me mm. So um, mm. it's kind yeah. of a marker that it's pushing into the area that I always thought COD should have done is and it's just like you get a campaign every year or two years but mm-hmm. there's a multiplayer suite that runs forever mm-hmm. like, yeah. kind of like, like as an I guess, yeah I guess you just can't get past the jealousy of the studios making those things like every studio is going to think they're going to make the best version of call of duty so you can't stop them yeah yeah. trying absolutely yeah but none of them it's really hard are they so no agreed um i will be playing there's only what like we said a week 10 days left this halloween event i want to play as much of it as i can and i want because i think i've got three seconds and a third now in the zombie mode i want that win need the win It is fun. Speaking of fun, great segue from me. Uh, I know Matt watches it. Cardi, have you watched Taskmaster? So I've never like sat down and watched an episode. I've seen a lot of compilations on YouTube and stuff. I've oh, never like watched so a good. full episode. If you haven't heard of Taskmaster, because this was one of those things where people talked about it for a while, and I always just dismissed it. I never really thought about it, and I saw adverts on the tube, and I was like, oh, it looks a bit silly. Like, it's got people I like in it, but not really bothered. And then someone, sorry, I just I just had a hair on my tongue and I realised I was licking it off in public. Um, and then I, uh, and then one of my best mates was like, it's genuinely the best show on TV. And I was like, really? So I tried it and it was until recently all on Dave, which was weirdly hard to get on um, when you use consoles. Um, there's no app that mm-hmm. works on consoles for it. And I watched it and I was like, this is fucking incredible. So if you haven't, if you haven't come across Taskmaster, basically five comedians are in every single episode of a series. There's 10 episodes in a series and they are set a series of ludicrous tasks every single episode, ranging from like, uh, without knowing the time, I think this was in last series, without knowing the time you have, blow up and pop as many balloons as you can within 10 minutes. And so it's just like this stupid mental second guessing game. And then there's other ones where it's like more creative challenges, using stuff to build things. And like you get to see, you kind of learn quite a lot about the comedian's approaches to stuff in watching them do it. But it's also just funny as hell. And it's now all on all four, which is a lot easier to get to. And the new series has started. And fuck me, it's so good. Like, So would you recommend... so? I've enjoyed watching compilations, but they're normally like I find one comedian, so it's like James Acaster that I like, and I just watch the compilation mm. of their stuff. So, finally, do you get more series. out of do you get more out of watching a full episode? Because I'm very Absolutely. weird with comedy stuff. Whereas, like, there's some people like that that I'll, I'll eat up everything they do. But if there's one person on that program I can't stand, it will just put me off that whole like it's, thirty minutes. I would say it's so much less about the comedians than it is the tasks. Mm. Like the tasks really are the centerpiece, and watching 
the thing I love about it is that it does have something of, of the kind of video gamey thinking to it where you're watching five people take one thing in five different directions and there's something really satisfying about you'll watch three and you'll you'll be like oh I would definitely do it this way and then someone tries that and mm. fucks it up completely and like that's really fun to I watch it's a bit like the we haven't done many recently but we used to do like the noob novice pro series where mm-hmm. you'd have a task mm. in a game and three people do it three different ways and try yeah. and be fun it's with it it's kind of like the the tasks vary in complexity and sometimes it's actually the simple ones that are brilliant because so to take an example and this is i think it's the first episode they ever did involved there was just a melon in a room it's like eat the melon you've got a set amount i think it was like a minute to eat as much melon as you possibly could and like you've got um i think uh like frank skinner comes in and finds a knife cuts the melon open and starts eating pieces of melon but then like tim key comes in and just fucking throws the melon on the table so it shatters <laughs> everywhere and he's then just shoveling it in like, it's always like the lateral thinking elements yeah. where people work out how to fuck up a task to make it easy for themselves are really good um and like yeah to me James A. Caster's series is a good one because James A. Caster is good but also because you get this group of comedians with quite specific like ways of approaching stuff like rod gilbert in that series is just doesn't give a shit and like that's part of the fun of it is just watching how lazy and badly he can do at it and not caring um <laughs> it's when there's you also get ones re- that do care though that it becomes mm. uh, that don't know how to do it like in the the first episode of this series is it johnny vegas that tries to fill an egg with helium yeah, what? I think it, I think it was. He was like, "Can I, can I put helium in an egg to make it float?" <laughs> and it's just that, like, they've got no idea. the The task there is they've got to get an egg into a frying pan, but the frying pan is like a floor below them and like a good ten feet away. And obviously, they've got all of these balloons that they can kind of attach an egg to and try and float it across to the frying pan. But it's that just desperation of when you know that's not going to work because how could it possibly do it? <laughs> and just, you're like, well, will will helium go in an egg and make it float? Yeah. No, it won't. Uh, the, the other series I would suggest is the one with Bob Mortimer on it. Partly because Bob Mortimer is one of the greatest men in human mm-hmm. history, but partly because he's also weirdly good. Like, he's got a really mad way of thinking about stuff that tends to work. And he's also like... He's got that weird thing where clearly his hand-eye coordination is fantastic and he's just like really good at throwing stuff and like and like it's just really fun to watch Bob Mortimer like be very good at stuff yeah. because he's so happy about it. I should, I should oh, check out great. some full episodes. I know I'd be like that. I'd be like taking it all out. I don't care but secretly I'd want to nail absolutely every task. <laughs> yeah, in the in this so I'm watching series 9 because currently we're in the middle of series... Well, we're at the start of series 10, but it's week to week. I'm going through series 9, which I hadn't seen, and there's a guy... Well, it's the, the standouts for me are David Baddiel, who is just fucking terrible. Like, he does seem to care, but he can't do anything right. Um, and Ed Gamble, who is, like, obsessed with doing well and will get genuinely upset when it's going wrong. And it's properly funny, especially when they have to interact. There are, like, team games and stuff. Like, watching him just become truly furious at how shit David Baddiel is, is an absolute highlight. Nice. It's a what very, an amazing show. It's such an easy, cheap program as well. They've nailed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think it's fantastic. Nice. Um, 
I was going to talk a little about about Dune, but then I realised all I've done is listen to about five chapters of an audiobook, <laughs> oh, and I don't I, have that much to are say. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I really like it. Also, I, I would say it's quite a weird one as an audiobook, though. I didn't realise, like, how much jargon there would be in Dune. Mm. Like, it's all weird words he's made up, which should be embarrassing, but it's not. It's very good. Um, but really, just hearing someone, like, talk about the fucking Bene Gesserit orders and stuff. You're like, wait, I have to remember what that actually means. As I go, you have none of that time that you have with a book to like study how a word looks, mm-hmm. commit it to memory, build up that thing. But it's quite a good, um, it's quite a well-acted adaptation. It's not one of those ones where like Stephen Fry does all the voices. They have like a cast of people oh, okay. playing different characters and things. And it's 21 hours long and you can get it for one audible credit. So <laughs> it's value. a good deal. Um, I'm, yeah, but it is making me like. One of my friends put it really well, like he because he just read Dune. I was like, oh, you should now that the, I wasn't going to read it before the uh, movie came out, but then it got pushed back. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to get on with this. Um, he put it really well. It's like within the first chapter, there are the good guys are set up and the bad guys are set up, and the bad guys tell you exactly what their intended plan is, and the rest of the book is seeing what happens with that, and it's just like. It's almost like one of those detective stories where you know who the murderer is and it's actually more about the detective finding the murderer. And it's genuinely really satisfying to just have it all laid out and just be like, good guys, bad guys, plan, see you later, we'll work it out. And that's it's really old school while also being one of the most bizarre sci-fi universes at the same time. It's really cool. I keep weighing up I like it. to read it or not before the So I, I love it, Cardi, so like I would always recommend it. The one thing I, I'm interested to know, Joe, what do you think the Dune universe looks like? And do you think it looks like what you've seen in the trailer? Uh, to me, I'm imagining very Middle Eastern. Right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's more, um, like, as in architecturally and clothing-wise, sure. that's what I'm imagining. And I think that's more because, I mean, he literally uses words like Sharia and stuff, like words I recognise yeah, as like, part of. Part of the stuff, like... Like jihad is a massive element of. Oh, is of, it? Yeah, yeah. So, so it does use a lot of that. But it's interesting because when I read it, I saw it as kind of like a hybrid between what Denis Villeneuve has made it look like, but also very baroque, kind of Warhammer forty k ish, which obviously is very typical Weird. fucking coming from Weird. me. But <laughs> yeah, but the they fact- do talk about like gigantic uh, spaceships that can fit. Yeah. a dozen gigantic spaceships in them and stuff. And, and it's it, like that's all very Warhammer. Yeah, and it's very because it's a f- the 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 background of it. It's a feudal so- imperial society, mm. right? You have uh, an empire oh, that runs, and it's honourable houses that are given custody of the planets. And they literally call it the Imperium and yeah. stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can tell they Warhammer straight ripped a lot of Dune. Oh like, yeah, it's I mad. mean, so if anybody doesn't know, it's like not only is you know does Warhammer have some elements of it, but um, the the first Star Wars is straight up a rip off of so much of what. That's goes what I on always, whenever I think of Dune, I think of Tatooine. Is what yeah. I think of. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is he has nicked that. Um, mm. But it's really exciting and fun, and oh, it, I'm surprised. I, initially, I was like, oh, fuck, I've made a massive mistake doing this as an audiobook. But the more I listen to it, the more I'm getting kind of acclimatised to it. It's it's fun. I also didn't realise it's like... It's being told partly as a history of the events that you're reading. So, like, some stuff I'm already putting together, like... 
what the outcome of all of this is. Like, they actually tell you within these mid interchapter sections, like, mm-hmm. what happened. It's is that, really is that weirdly put together. From, like, Herbert's perspective as an author, or does it... Cause the- no, it's written as history... T- excerpts of history texts written about the events that Mm -hmm. you are also reading like it's really oddly structured and i didn't know anything about that beforehand which is really cool because the lynch version of the film i think i mean it's been years since i watched that but you know is it princess aurelia is it uh elura yeah yeah the 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 padish emperor's daughter like she is the person that introduces the lynch film of june and she sort of guide you through it so i guess there's a bit of that there i am mm. very interested to see how all this plays out in denis version because when you read it I, it's not necessarily what you'd expect a denis venu movie to be right i guess not but then i think you could easily take away those explanation bits mm-hmm. and just have it told as a straightforward narrative mm-hmm. and then it's more about the character like there's a the part of it is for us you know for a seminal sci-fi thing there literally hasn't been a sci-fi thing happen in, I don't know, I've listened to an hour or two maybe, mm-hmm. and like, there hasn't been, they've talked about spaceships, but they've not been on one, they've not done anything, like, I think the closest they got is having like an energy shield, Yeah, and you're like, mm-hmm. that's it, yeah. it's like it's all talking in rooms, and I, which I love, but mm-hmm. like, you know, that's you'll the also, thing I enjoy. Yeah, you'll also get there are like in-universe explanations as to why it's not quite as sci-fi-y as... Star Wars mm. is, for example, like there's there's yeah. a lot less tech in this mm. universe, it's, which I really cool. like about it. It's yeah. the film. Is he telling it all in one? Is that the whole book is in that one film, or is it in part? He's in doing two. it as two parts. Two? Yeah, okay. I did not know that. I thought it was one. I've been having a bit of a. Uh, it's well, it's officially Sasha Baron Cohen week because. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but Borat Two is out today, and surprisingly, getting very good reviews because I watched the first mm. trailer. And I thought, yeah, I'm not sure I'm into this. I feel like it's maybe the joke's gone. Because I haven't watched the first Borat actually in probably about 10 years. But when it first came out, I think like most people, I absolutely thought it was the most, the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I don't know if it's aged too well, some of it, but I'm sure some of it's still quite funny. But yeah, I'm surprised that this one, I mean, he's obviously a very smart man. So I don't, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching Borat probably talk about that next week once I've actually seen it but what I have seen with Sasha, Bar- Sasha Baron Cohen is The Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix which is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin so there's lots of words in it um, <laughs> love words it's very very good it is very Sorkin like it has it's one it's got I'm not going to tell you what happens but it's based on true events anyway so if you know what happens you know you know what happened but um, it's got one of those very in your face endings that like I'm making a point here and it's a bit cheesy, but it works. I, I bought in on it, but if you don't know what it's about, it's about the true life events of seven people in Chicago in the 70s. I should know that. I only watched it yesterday. Uh, who basically there was, they were going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War, essentially. And basically a riot broke out. And the whole film is about the case of, was it, the fault of the rioters like they're charged with conspiracy to riot basically or did the police start the riot so there's obviously a lot of parallels with what's going on in the world today and you can see why it's been made at the moment but it's just the cast is ridiculous it's Sasha Baron Cohen it's uh 
I've forgotten Michael oh, Keaton, yeah, Michael Keaton, Gordon Levitt, yeah. Jeremy Strong. Yep. Uh, keep keep listening. I've forgotten all the names. Yeah, that's all I remember. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got a list because it's absolutely ridiculous the cast, and they're all incredible. Um, uh, Eddie Redmayne, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Jeremy Strong, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second, Mark Rylance, Frank Langella is incredible. Oh yeah, fucking uh, Mark Rylance is in it. Yeah, uh, John Carroll Lynch, who is um, if you've seen Zodiac, you know he can be great. Um, it is, it's really really good, and it's just as you, it's a Sorkin film, so it's very very well written. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced of him as a director, but he does a very good job in this. I think we gave it a ten out of ten on site actually, which. Don't know if it's quite a ten for me, but it's very, very, very good, and I would recommend watching it. Hmm. I just realised who John Carroll Lynch is when when you said yeah. that because I had to go and look him up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he's <laughs> great." Yeah, um, and he's Norm Gunderson. It's um, I think I it's love like two Norm hours, Gunderson. five minutes, two hours, ten minutes, but it actually it breezes by, and I think yeah. that's true of all of Aaron Sorkin stuff, mm-hmm. like stuff he's attached to. It's just that fucking breakneck pace of yeah. stuff that you're just like, oh, it's essentially, shit, it's and over. I'm just a sucker for a courtroom drama, which is what this film is. So mm. yeah, very very good. I think we've talked about it before. This isn't quite the same thing, um, but uh, you know the Rewatchables podcast, mm-hmm. Bill Simmons and others talking yeah. about really good films to watch over and over again. They did a, an episode about Spotlight this week. Oh, I've already um, listened. It's incredible. It is a fantastic episode yeah. and a very good film. Um, I've watched and- about two hundred. Well, it's not even two hundred. A hundred episodes of Rewatchables in lockdown. Like I just listen to them nonstop. <laughs> It's a fantastic podcast, um, but they do a really good section that made me want to watch a lot of stuff where they just talk about um, films with really good newspaper rooms, yeah. like Zodiac, like... Um, All the presidents. Uh, well, they talk about Shattered Glass, which I've not seen, mm-hmm. um, but I know Gav, um, lately know on this podcast, like really like Shattered Glass. Um, but that's a like, that's a really good subgenre, good newspaper room I, I films. I love, yeah, like journalism films. Like Zodiac, yeah, is a low-key one. Uh, All the President's Men is an obvious one. The Post is not very good, I don't think, but good if you like newspapers. It's got, it's got good real shots. Like He's it, very good at uh, doing the real shots. I think oh. I was just disappointed because I wanted it to be very good because it's Hank Spielberg's stream, mm-hmm. and I just left in. I thought it was absolutely fine, which, and I wanted more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I it, whenever I listen to the rewatchables, which if you don't, you should because it's amazing. And it has actually done that rare thing of like, there's some episodes like I'd never seen Swingers before. This week I watched Swingers mm. and then just listened to the podcast straight away. So I'm like, I just want to yeah. listen to more of this podcast, but I haven't seen that film, so I don't want to listen to that episode. So I did you like Swingers? I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I love yeah. that film. Yeah, it's very fun. It is, and money. they play that NHL game where you punch people in it. Yeah, um, in a similar sort of bracket to that. Like, have you guys heard of the Scaredy Cats uh, Horror Show podcast? Oh, is that that's the reply? That's all the guys, reply right? all guys. Um, and so yeah. basically, one of the guys that presents reply all fucking hates horror films, and so it's getting the other guy to lead him through it. And so I, when this came out in the summer, and I'd sort of delayed listening to it until now because I was like, well, it's an October listen, isn't it? But mm. one of them is The Exorcist, and I have never watched The Exorcist because I'm fucking terrified of it. <laughs> so um, I'll report back um, if I'm on the podcast around yeah, yeah, yeah. next week because I'm going to watch The Exorcist and then listen through to that. I, um, um, I've already talked to you about this. I think I know you've got this kind of almost a mental hang-up about it more than mm-hmm. anything. I don't think it's very... like When I watched it for the first time, I think there's more laughable stuff in there now than there is genuinely terrifying stuff there is some horrible stuff in there as well don't mm-hmm. get me wrong but like sometimes it's like this is 
bordering on absurdist. <laughs> so, so the reason why I'm terrified of it is so when my mum and dad first met, my dad took my mum to see The Exorcist. I'm thinking to say my dad vomited across the room. <laughs> yeah. so, um, and so when I was a kid, because um, obviously The Exorcist was banned, like it wasn't, it, they didn't release it on any kind of home entertainment thing. And when it was allowed to be, my mum bought my dad that for his birthday on VHS. And mm. it was like this banned thing, because I can remember watching him open it. And the first thing that my mum was like, you never touch that. And so there was... <laughs> Essentially, we had in my mind what was almost like the Necronomicon in the house, yeah. this weird... And so for years, kind of, I was just curious as to what this is. And I remember when the first time I ever saw anything from it was the spider walk down the stairs, and that just fucking absolutely terrified me. And then just the, the image of Reagan now is like that. I can't see it. So, for example, in our Slack chat at the moment, in social collaboration, which is where we do our are like social media sort of stuff. There is a picture of fucking Reagan, which means I can't go in there until <laughs> someone writes enough stuff in it for it to go away. Right. I can't wait for this just break oh, yeah. breakthrough in your life to be made. So you because just... I I really want to watch it because I know like I listen to a lot of Mark Kermode stuff and obviously it's his mm. favorite film and I can see from what because I, I know quite a lot about it through curiosity of reading what it is because i know what happens exactly what happens in the film i just can't physically watch it happening or listen to her voice or any of that because it's just terrifying um so yeah i'm looking forward to getting over that hill because i do desperately want to watch it but it's, this is uh, like the setup a... for a film itself. Somebody's terrified of it. It's almost like the ring. Mm. It's like you've got this tape you you can't watch. Yeah. It's weird because in generally, like I quite like horror films, and not I don't get scared very often. We were doing another thing a few weeks ago, which was trying to figure out what the scariest horror films were, mm. and I like there's only really in that I can think of in recent times, certainly the Babadook that terrified me. And that's partially because I watched it in a house on my own at 11.30 at night. Mm. Like That certainly contributed to But I think that is genuinely scary. But there are films that I think are brilliant, like excellent horror films that don't actively scare me. So this does yeah. feel like an odd mountain for me to get over. Mm. I can't think of a, a horror film as an adult that has like stuck with me in a horrible way. The Clum... Like when, I first, images, when I first like, watched Hereditary, that did yeah. stick with me. Um, I, think, Wreck, I think Hereditary, there are images in there. Oh, I've never watched Wreck. I know people... Yeah, Wreck is... Because that, that's, that's like adrenaline horror, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, that one's... Yeah. Watch that one this Halloween, if you want the scariest <laughs> Do you know what the scariest thing I can think of is? Me? What? Losing the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you. Is it in the search? Oh, yeah, I've got to introduce it. I've just assumed because you're doing it, Cardi, that you'd take uh, over. No, Cardi, you've you got, got a, a quiz for us, you don't got, you? Yeah, you got to hand over that baton. And thank mm. you, it fits so firmly in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> fits so far. I don't know. I don't know where we're going. Should we just move on to the endless search? I got another quiz this week. Um, this one I, I made up last week because I thought different people on the podcast, and I didn't think it would uh, suit who was on it last week. Because you know, different people, different knowledge bases. But I thought you guys might mm. have a go at this one. It's called roll call. Uh, okay. So basically, I've got 
six different films here and I've got seven cast and characters and basically they get easier as I go mm. along in each and you get seven points for the first one if you get it on that and then when one you point. say cast and characters so the first it will be the cast member's name and then the character they play in that film and you have to tell right. me what okay. film these people yep, yep, are but in. presumably like the, the the harder ones are like extras or, or very well, supporting cast yeah and... yeah stuff like that so yeah, sometimes the clue will be in the actor, sometimes the clue will be in the character's name. So bear in mind, it's always the actor's name first, then the character they play. Okay? Cool. So I love this. This is good. Here we go. There's six films and seven clues in each. I don't know. You it's hard you to make t- this up. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. So it's quite it's similar to something that um, me, Joe, and Cardi used to do back in the day when we were allowed outside a film quiz. And this is a oh, nice yeah. spin on an idea that they've got, whether you've got it from there. But I think this is better than their version. Oh, yeah. That, you know, in the back of my head, yeah, it's the Bigger Boat film quiz where they, they kind of do it as an in-between rounds, don't they? They list some people. Mm. I knew it was somewhere in my head. There we go. So I haven't made it up at all. I've subconsciously stolen it from somewhere else. But here we go. That's fine. Film number one. So here we go. You've got Maria de Medeiros playing Fabienne. A lot of these, if you get any of these on the first one, it's is impressive. But it's not Amelie. No. 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 Pan's Labyrinth? No. Mm. no. How much do we get as many op- uh, I think you, picks as we want? I'll judge it. If you, if you want another one each, you know, if, if it's uh Volver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two, Eric Stoltz playing Lance. He's famous. Is this Pulp Fiction? It is Pulp Fiction. Nice. He's go. the doctor, isn't he? Uh, so to speak, kind of. Well, yeah. the, the, guy <laughs> the, the guy in the dressing gown that administers yeah, yeah. adrenaline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, just, I didn't know if people would re- remember Eric Stoltz in Pulp Fiction, but there you go. That's six points well done. to Matt. That's a great shout. Uh, you would have next had Steve Buscemi playing Buddy Holly. <laughs> Uh, Amanda Plummer playing Honey Bunny, Christopher Walken playing Captain Coons, Bruce Willis as Butch Coolidge, and Samuel Jackson as Jules Winifred. There we go. Man, I did not realise that that was Eric Stoltz in that role. I mainly yeah, remember. That's why I was banking on people not knowing. <laughs> mm. but My main did. memory of this was that a case of Eric Stoltz, I think, at the time I was re-watching a load of Tarantino, he was the lead cast in... Caprica, which was the Battlestar Galactica spin-off, and so when I was watching them both at the same time, I was like, oh yeah, it's him! I, I genuinely didn't think anyone knew anything about Eric Stoltz apart from he was supposed to be in Back to the Future. I thought that's all people <laughs> knew. But there we go. Six points to Matt. Uh, next film. John Favreau playing Manny Riskin. Manny Riskin. Hmm... Chef. I know he's the star of Chef, but just in case. It's not Chef. See, that's the sort of name I was expecting something like Tropic Thunder, but it's not that, is it? It's not Tropic Thunder. I'm I'm, going to move on. Next, we've got Kristin Milotti, or Milotti? Milotti, I don't know, playing Teresa Petrio. Hmm. Let's say, um, what's your Magnolia? No, 
No. No. Babel. Babel. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that ensemble cast films. <laughs> Babel and Volver. Imagine if I got both of those right. <laughs> uh, any anything, Matt? No, uh, nothing from me. Okay, number on. three. John Berntal playing Brad. Mm. Oh fuck! So he's not been in that many. This films, is relatively is recently, then, isn't it? John Bernthal's Oh, on. is this um, Wolf of Wall Street? It is Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. There we go. Five points. Uh, those are the easier ones out of the way, I think. But uh, there we go. Five points to Joe. The next was it was going to get easier because you had Matthew McConaughey as Mark Hanna, uh, Margot Robbie as Naomi Lapalia. <laughs> Jonah Hill as Donny Azov and Leonardo I would have loved Bell. it if you'd started that with um, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast uh, on the left as Badger. But that's the thing I, I knew because he's only probably been in about one film you would get it instantly. It's, that's, that's his biggest <laughs> This is a hard film. one to do because you don't know how hard to make it but maybe yeah. I've made it too easy so far. Maybe I haven't. Maybe maybe you're just very good at it. Right, next we have uh, film number three. Hank Azaria playing Alan Marciano. Run, fat boy, run. No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what else has he been in? Uh, what's he called again? The character. Uh, Alan yeah. Marciano or Marciano. I think it's Marciano. Mm. Alan Marciano. That's another one where it feels like he's not been in as a live action person. I feel like he's the one many. that surprised you. He's probably been in loads of films in small parts. Mm. Obviously, and he's the only the one I can think of is Run, <laughs> Fat Boy, Run. I'm, mo- I'm moving. I'm moving on. Number okay. two, Danny Trejo playing Trejo. <laughs> oh, <gasps> it's not Anchorman, is it? No, it's not. It's Danny Trejo in Anchorman. I'm not. I'm... He's the one behind the bar. When uh, oh yeah, Ron Burgundy's lost his mind, and he goes in and changes. He goes, "Damn, that guy cleans up good." <laughs> like Danny Trejo is someone who's probably been in about five hundred films. Oh yeah, in like yeah. So, but playing Trejo, yeah, his character. Oh no, I'm thinking Trejo. about him in. Yeah. No, I'm go on. Him. Okay, number three, Natalie Portman playing Lauren Gustafson. That seems like such a clue. It's not going to be Black Swan. It's not um, uh, Darjeeling Limited, is it? It is not. No. Oh, that was a good shout. That was a good shout, wasn't it? Because she's Hank only Azaria. in it for like two minutes, isn't she? Yeah, because she's in that weird short film yeah. he made to accompany it Hank for Azaria, no fucking reason. Danny Trejo and Natalie Portman so far. That's a good cast. Is it, is it Movie 52? <laughs> it's not Movie 52, no. Moving, moving on. Yeah, we have Ashley Judd playing Charlene Shirless or Shirless. I can't even remember who Ashley Judd is. <laughs> well, that's the clue because she. I know the name. This is, I would safely say, her her biggest film. So. What's Ashley Judd been in? Almost Famous. No, no. What a film that is! Though. I watched that for the first time the other day. It's very good. So good. I, you'd think I'd remember if Frank Azario <laughs> or Danny Trejo were in it, but I don't. Oh, Natalie Portman, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Natalie Portman. Yeah, no, definitely not. Anything for Ashley Judd playing Charlene Shirless? No. 
I really feel like Lauren okay. Gustafsson. Number five. A bell by we now. have Val Kilmer playing Chris Sherless. Fucking Val Kilmer. Kilmer. What? Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Hank Azaria, Why? Danny Trejo, Natalie Portman, Ashley Judd, Val Kilmer. A Val Kilmer so... film that also has Natalie Portman in. Like, I feel mm. very stupid. It almost feels like they don't belong in the same eras of cinema. <laughs> is, it, is it Mystery Men? It's not Mystery Men, though. Is Val Kilmer in Mystery Men? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know Hank Azaria is. That's the only reason I guessed. Uh, it's uh, number five. You've got two more people. And it's, a, it's about to get easier. Are we going to look really stupid? Uh, if you don't get it after the next two, you will. <laughs> okay. Go on. go on, come on, let's go. Robert De Niro as Neil McCauley. The Departed? No. I've never watched The Departed. You should. None of is those people in are in it. <laughs> no. The Departed is very heat. good. Heat. It is heat. It is There heat. we go. Shit. So it's not like Portman, Al- like five in it. She is Al Pacino's stepdaughter. She's, no, she's about 15, 16. 15, 16. I haven't watched Heat for years. No, I watched Heat it again last week. It is what a film. Um, last time I watched Heat, I was at uni, so I'd be like twenty. Yeah. It's been and a long time. Is, I thought because we were talking about, a lot about the rewatchables, because obviously they've done Heat twice. Yeah, on the yeah. Like, come on. Uh, and last year, well, I, I haven't watched it for so long that I haven't listened to either of them. Oh, so. you should. It's on Amazon yeah. at the moment for anyone who wants mm. to watch mm. Heat. Uh, and then Leah, last was Al Pacino as Lieutenant Vincent Hanna, who. It's just basically on cocaine, the whole that film. It's amazing. <laughs> what a performance. Okay, so that was two points to Joe. So he's taken a 7-6 lead. Three films left. Three films left. Here we go. Number one, David Thewlis as Knox Harrington. Oh, Big Lebowski. It is. Yes! I thought I'd put, put that one in. There you go. Banger! <laughs> go through him. Come on. I just really want to do the Big Lebowski. I don't know if it was anywhere making it not obvious because of the character names. Next was Flea as Kiefer. Then oh, I would have got it there yeah, as well. Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brandt. Sam Elliott as The Stranger. And then the main three, Steve Buscemi, John Goodman and the dude. Uh, the Underrated dude. that performance by uh, by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I think incredible. he's amazing as Brandt he, in that film. Has he ever not been incredible in any film? Well, obviously, but his... his um, the face he makes when he's watching Big Lebowski do stuff he's not allowed to do. Yeah. But he can't tell him not to. And he's like, like really hands up, really the nervous. Really oh, nervous fuck, laugh so he does good. when Tara Reid starts talking about <laughs> unsavory stuff. <It's> <laughs> yeah. God, that Fucking is hell, what an amazing role. That is an incredible film. Um, so good. Two more. Here we go. So it's 14 6 now to Jay, but not unassailable by any means. Here we go. Knox Harrington. Film five, five. Brian Cox as Melvin Belly. Oh, it's Melvin. <gasps> it's uh, Zodiac. I did not think you'd get it from Melvin Belly. Melvin Belly. Belly. Uh, sorry. He's the he's the shitty lawyer. I don't remember. How do you remember the lawyer's name in Zodiac? Because he's a real man. <laughs> I knew he's. Uh, I have you looked up? Have you looked up what he was like? He's bizarre. No, that I've dude not. is really strange. Um, let me look him up. I should have led. I should have led with Jimmy Simpson as Mike McGurk. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin, his middle name is Moron. Um, Melvin Moron Belli. 
was a prominent American lawyer known as the King of Torts and by insurance companies as Melvin Bellicose. I realised I shouldn't have talked about the Charlotte Chicago song because my next one was John Carroll Lynch. So that would have just been oh, instantly wow. like, given away. Basically, it's a good game, this, if you get the... <coughs> I've just mucked up a few of the clues. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's- he, he posed Melvin Belli. His first job after g- coming to the bar in California was posing as a hobo and riding the rails to see what had happened to the vagrant population. Well, uh, it's mad. He's a bizarre man. It's uh, 21-6 to Joe. But, <laughs> well, you know, that means he has one. But there's still one more to play for. Uh, so do, we'll you remember, do, do you remember um, earlier when you said you'd be super impressed if anyone got them on the first? And I got it. Yeah, you got two on the first. Yeah, well done. I'm a king! Uh... I'm I like this break. game. If anyone's sending clues for it, because I'd like to play it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, the last one. Here we go. Karen Gillan as Evie. Mm-hmm. Karen Gillan. I'm assuming it's not Oculus, because it's she'd not be Oculus. the lead. Which I can't remember what her name was in Oculus. But I couldn't name you seven people in Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. No? Number two. Nah. Byron Mann as Mr. Chow. Iron Man? B- Byron Mann. <laughs> Iron okay. Man as Mr. Chow. Yeah, it's like, that's a character. But Byron Mann is, is quite close. It's a good name. Byron Mann is good. Yeah, it's Mr. Chow. Byron Mann. Mr. Chow. Rush Hour 3. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Marissa Tomei as Cynthia Baum. Mm. Fuck is this? <laughs> Step Brothers? No, Marissa Tomei is not in Step Brothers. Well, I'm assuming if it's Karen Gillan, it's got, a, it's got to be like post-2013 or something like that. I thought you were going to say post-9-11. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The post-9-11 era really dominated by Karen <laughs> Gillan. Um, uh, that was no reflection on you. That's just where my brain goes after clearly. post in a date. Um, Nothing for Mar- Marissa Tomei as Cynthia Bell. I'll move on. I, I feel like... Four. Jeremy Strong as Vinnie Daniel. What's Jeremy Strong been in? I thought he only emerged during the <laughs> post nine eleven succession era. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh no! I feel like I know what it is, but I can't think. Moving on from Jeremy Strong yeah. as Vinny Daniel. Here we go. Uh, number five: Ryan Gosling as Jared Vanette. Jared the Net. Venet. V E N N E T T. That's not his name. That's all we had. Iron Man and the Net. It's not the Nice Guys, is it? I can't remember what his name was in Nice Guys. It's not the Nice Guys. Forgot about that film. Crazy Stupid Love. It is not. Just thinking of films with Ryan Gosling in there. Yeah, yeah, that had a big ensemble cast, so you're not. Place Beyond the Pines? Film, no. Am I, am I moving, moving on? Yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt as Ben Rickett. 
This feels like it should be very easy. <laughs> At this point, I, I would expect you to get it, yeah. What's he called? Brad Rickett. <laughs> no, that's Brad Pitt as Ben Rickett. <laughs> oh, Ben Rickett. <laughs> Rickert, Rickett, whatever. Oh, I'm going to be sick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Snatch. He's got one more to go. No, no. And anything there oh. for Brad. So, you, so far you've got Karen Gillan, Byron Mann, Marissa Tomei, Jeremy Strong, Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt. Oh, this is, I'm gonna. I'm furious. I, I don't know, and I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this film. It's a shame. Number seven, and the last one, Christian Bale as Michael Berry. Vice? No. Oh. He plays oh. fucking Donald. He plays Jamie. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, Christian Bale as what? Michael Berry. That is Karen Gillan, Byron Mann, Marissa Tomei, Jeremy Strong, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, and Christian Bale. That is a good cast, and I haven't even listed everyone in that. There's a. Do you know what? I'll I'll have a bonus clue as um. Who else? Because I'm crying. Yeah, there's another actor in it. Shall I give you another actor in this film? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Steve Carell. <laughs> The Big Short? Yes, it is The Big Short. Ah, oh, fucking hell. What a film. You were so close with Vice It's good. Well. Yeah, there we go. Fucking idiot. You went through, it every, you went through every other Adam McKay, Adam McKay film. So. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, that is... Uh, did you even get a point? <laughs> you go no, on the bonus don't give one. Me a point for that. There we go. I, I a win a for Joe, that. but a fun time hopefully had by most. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Uh, I like it. I was enjoying it when I got it on the second one, on the first. That was good. Yeah, yeah, that kind of went downhill for me there. I uh, unfortunately played into Mr. Swivel's hands with, of course, he knows lawyers around Zodiac <laughs> and and Knox Harrington, of course, yeah. with his beautiful laugh. You've, you've pretended <laughs> to be Knox Harrington more than once. <laughs> I love, no- I love Knox Harrington. Mm. <laughs> He's good. Uh, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I liked it. Let's do more of that. Here we go. I've got a good idea for a quiz, though, that I'm going to bring as well. Ooh, I, I say a good indeed. idea for a quiz. I literally stole it from someone I listened to do the exact same quiz last week. I think we got um, good. one or two good ones come in the last couple of weeks as well, so we'll get around to those as well, because we do appreciate Lovely. them. Uh, all right, should we do some feedback? Yeah. Go on, then. I think Matt's first. I am, yeah. So uh, this one is from Levant from Virginia Beach. Wow. We go. Get international correspondence today. <laughs> Greetings, gents. You you guys pull, put the call out for the best soundtrack, so I'm answering the call. Thank you very much. For a movie, it would have to be Inception. Great strong, choice. Strong choice. Strong, strong choice. For a game... Well, well, sorry. Mm. I know you talked about this without me. What's the... what's What are we talking about with this? soundtracks to listen to by themselves? Or I was going for in more... Association yeah, I feel with like to listen to... Yeah, because there's some you'd... You wouldn't just put on, if you know what I mean. I would never listen to Inception. Really? Just for I fun. put Inception on when I'm writing sometimes. I was mm, listening. Jesus. That just sounds too much. What was me. I? Uh, I listened to a sound. It makes to typing very tenant. dramatic. <laughs> While I was writing my Call of Duty review earlier this week, I listened to the whole Tenant soundtrack. <laughs> so, it gets you going. gets you on a... <laughs> the soundtrack's very good for Tenant. Mm, not for me. Mm, you're an idiot. <laughs> right. Buck up. Buck up, Goranson. Um... <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted. Yep. There we go. Back to feedback. 
For a game, it would have to be the Scott Pilgrim versus the World game soundtrack, which also is very, very good. I never played the game, but acquired a copy of the soundtrack during quarantine. To keep my sanity, I would rollerblade, because all the ice rinks were closed, for hours on end. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a com- more complicated life than I could think of. <laughs> ice rinks and rollerblading, you're pretty cool. Yeah. Rollerblade for hours on end, playing Pokemon Go and listening to that soundtrack. What are the chances that you could drop my friend code on the podcast? 2566-4701-3734. I'm going to add you now. I'm playing quite a lot of Pokemon Go at the moment. Importantly, like respecting the sea in Virginia Beach. From the respecting well done, so that is a you know if you want your feedback read, it's always good to put respect respect the sea at the end of your email. Yeah, I'm not saying you know it's a way. Stay to safe arm, and but, for you know, <laughs> stay safe and for Christ's sake, respect the sea. It's <laughs> still funny to me. Um, I can't remember who wrote that in the first place. I'll have to thank them because that, that was brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the World game soundtrack is Anna Managuchi, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. It is banger. Also, and the film soundtrack as well for Scott Pilgrim is also. Just... I think the film oh, soundtrack amazing. might be my favourite like licensed soundtrack. Like mm-hmm. like like jukebox soundtrack. Yeah, like all all of the like the non original music in like I think the original music in Scott Pilgrim is great, but the actual tracks that are licensed are fantastic. Mm. Yeah. I'm sim- so I think good. Boogie Nights for me, just because it has just incredible like 70s music in it it's amazing uh well so we got i've got one next i think i do from roberto diash who says wait robert dias robert dias. <laughs> <laughs> if he probably means nothing if to you roberto, don't know robert dias yes <laughs> just a high street shop um there we go there we go uh greetings from a long time portuguese listener love <gasps> there we go I don't know if you've ever That's had someone from Portugal before, so welcome. Thank you. Uh, love the podcast. I usually put it on just as I'm about to leave work on Friday evening, and it is just the perfect start to my weekend. That's lovely. Thank wow. You. I'm writing in to mention my vid- favourite video game soundtrack, and one that I don't think is mentioned enough, the original Medal of Honor soundtrack, composed by Oscar winner Michael Giacchino. Is it Giacchino or Giacchino? Some people say it differently. I was going I to say Giacchino. Giacchino. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's the Mickey one that G. does all the yeah, Mickey G. He does the um, Jackers. He does the, all the um, punny yeah. uh, names for his tracks, doesn't yeah. he? He's very good. Um, it's one of my favourite PS One games, and listening to the soundtrack immediately transports me back to my childhood when I spent hours playing the multiplayer with friends. Even though it's over twenty years old, it still holds up as one of the most epic scores ever created. And I urge anyone who doesn't know it or hasn't listened to it in some time to go back and listen to the main film theme. It's chill inducing. Related to my feels on Medal of Honor soundtrack, which music do you listen to that makes you feel nostalgic? It doesn't have to be a game or movie related. There we go. I would agree I like that Medal of Honor score. I don't play a lot of Battlefield, but I always think the Battlefield scores are unbelievable. (laughs) That's in my head at all times while doing sport. (laughs) I've listened to a lot of the Battlefield (laughs) 1 soundtrack, like the victory music when you win. I love the fact that Battlefield's music is remixed for every game they do. So kind of like the mm. modern version is still the same music, but it uses, it's got like none of the brass in it and stuff like that. Whereas the World War One and Two ones are super kind of Saving Private Ryan-y. Mm-hmm. It's very I cool. mentioned it last week and I feel like I say this every time we do a soundtrack, but the Social Network one does make me feel nostalgic because I do often put it on to work, but it also transports me back to writing essays at uni. And I used to have it on like 24-7 whenever I was writing like long 
coursework or essays like it transports me back to my room at uni which is really weird as a um uh, uh it's not a soundtrack there's a playlist on spotify i follow uh created by dork magazine uh called the best of 2007 and it's just all the shit indie i listened to in 2007 and occasionally i'll turn it on and be like huh, i'm 16 <laughs> it's, so sim- it's- similarly i've got that in the anything that's kind of that 2000 and like 5 to 2010 indie is, is it called landfill indie is like the landfill indie yeah. yeah um so that'll do it for me for exactly the same reasons but for reasons i can't say on the podcast but i heard a muse track the other day um oh yes yeah. and that fucking took me back and because like i used to love muse fell out of love with them when they decided that reddit conspiracy threads were what they were going to dedicate themselves to but mm. early music used to love and i listened to uh, black holes and revelation last night and that was like going back to like prom i think like end of school mm. prom i do the same because i still listen to a lot of pop punk and yeah that always transfers me back to Feeling young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As soon as I hear the start of Atlantis to Interzone by Klaxons, I know that I'm back in time. Golden Scans is still genuinely a banger. I was listening to that the uh, other day. I, I, one of my friends just started singing that out of the blue the other day. I was like, what a weird thing to have stuck in your head. Like, here's a good song, but Golden Scans. So there are like uh, Block Parties, A Weekend in the City album, that Whenever I listen to that album, I'm transported to sitting on a night bus going home at like 3 a.m. Like that, I always put that on at that time. So I'm transported to being in Cos <laughs> and having a lot of very drunk friends around me telling me that they hated it. How can you hate that? You know, controversial I album. I prefer it to Silent Alarm. Oh, that is bad. That's a bad opinion. Yeah, they're, but, they're both the 10 out of 10 albums, in my opinion. So, Fair enough. There you go. That's all right then. Uh, shout out to Kelly. He's a ledge. Right. Yeah. Do some good music again, though, please. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> if you would. Right. This is from John from Richland, WA. Which one's Washington, WA? Washington. Washington. Wait, oh, all of the, is all correspondence international this week? It yeah, is. Yeah, baby. Oh, wow. Everyone. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming Virginia Beach is. is yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Virginia, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> somewhere where you get ice rinks. By the way, Lavon from Virginia Beach. Oh, yeah, who has messaged before and is definitely American. Uh, I have added you on Pokemon Go, so you better bloody accept that. (laughs) Right. Anyway, back to John from Richland. Hey, boys, love the show, and I wanted to add my all-time favourite sandwich to your list. Here we go. God, we're eclectic. (laughs) Uh, I think think he's written this slightly badly, but I'm going to read it as written because it makes me laugh. I live in my hometown. (laughs) Uh, There was an amazing place called The Sub Factory. The highlight of the menu was a foot-long sub called, brace yourself, <laughs> the Juicy Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> juicy. They would. S- I, I'm, I'm, I haven't read this previously. I'm hungry. Just. I've had a juicy word, Lucy long sub called Juicy Juicy. Uh, what? Do you not not know what a Juicy Lucy is? I don't. I've know. never heard of it. It's, uh, it's it's much more innocent than it sounds. It's um just a burger with cheese inside the burger. Melted cheese inside. Oh, the I've burger. had those. Yeah, I'm, I'm not at, into that. They did them at Leeds University, at old mm. at the old bar. So there you go. Okay, boys, strap yourself in for this. I've just read <laughs> the one. Juicy Jimmy. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> they would start the sandwich. This is insane. <gasps> they would start the sandwich with two 
foot-long grilled cheese sandwiches. What? Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's the start. And in between, and in between, Sorry? they would throw eight burger patties, cheese, lettuce, Thousand Island dressing, and a few other things. <laughs> it was basically a foot-long Big Mac smashed between two grilled cheese oh, sandwiches. Christ. You had to share it with at least five <laughs> other people. <laughs> it was if you went in with five, four or five people, you weren't allowed to order it. Give us a juicy Jimmy. There's only four of you who disgust me. Uh, unfortunately, the place has since closed and the juicy Jimmy is no more. I know this has burger patties, but I would still consider this one of the greatest sandwiches ever made. I like this ending. I love you all. Stay gold. Oh, smooth. I like that. Stay gold. Stay gold and respect um, the scene. Yeah, do we? Uh, what are we talking? Are we talking burger patty in grilled cheese sandwich? I put that counts. Within it's grilled sandwich. cheese sandwiches is a sandwich. I would say so. Uh, yeah. But I just sorry, foot long grilled cheese sandwiches. That's a yeah, that's mate. a feat in itself. But yeah, but, yeah. So I guess, uh, but basically, a, yeah, like you said, a bit Big Mac inside two grilled cheeses. Now, how would you do a foot long grilled cheese sandwich? Because you're not going to do it. You're not going to mm. have two flattened baguettes. Do you take an unsliced loaf of bread and Ooh. cut it lengthways as opposed Maybe you to do? Yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this place is called the Sub Factory, though, so I assume it's like ah, a subs, sub or a yeah, hoagie. Yeah. The foot long subs, like Subway style, probably. Well, so you're mate, you're getting two grilled cheese subs. Yeah, and put that's bonkers. It is, yeah, yeah. I can, oh my god! <laughs> confirm. Oh wait, no, yeah. Cause, so I, in my head, I got it. Like you split the the sub roll down the middle, put cheese on, and then no, you put it's the bag. Two it's not it's, cheese. It's two. It's two foot longs yeah. with fucking hell. This is a. We've this is about a this mountain, more than we did Ghost of Shima, but I think it's worth it in some ways. <laughs> um, I've just looked up um, the Juicy Jimmy, and unfortunately, all I can find is a wrestler. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Juicy Jimmy. Juicy Jimmy. Um, what, what was the so. place? called as well richland oh a subway factory i'm gonna do that or sub factory not subway factory the sub factory sub- delivery juicy jimmy burder salad <laughs> what the hell oh, there's that a sub mean? factory in bradford i don't think it's that one <laughs> jimmy john's in richland makes freaky fast freaky fresh sandwiches near you hmm juicy jimmy i mean pub. it sounds like it sounds horrific but also i would absolutely try it so <laughs> Oh, no, it's listed, but it's not accepting orders, so I can't check out. Well, they've closed down, haven't they? That's why. I know, I'm just seeing if they've got, you know, antique Grubhub orders mm. to look at. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, more more sandwich feedback, please. We always love it. IGN underscore UK yeah, feedback you, I, at IGN.com. If you've got something as fucking insane as that, and if you do, I'm assuming you're from America, and I would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, they do food well in America. I mean, not well, but interestingly. <laughs> <laughs> Legends. All right, should we go? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's basically music. lunchtime. Oh, let's do we'll, that. We'll find some music, won't we? Oh, let's put on... Um, Medal of Honor? Kurt. Medal of Honor? Yeah, let, yeah, let's put the Medal of Honor track on Yeah, there, there we go. Just so I can hear what it was. Beautiful. Here, here we go. All right. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.